Welcome to a new episode of These Go to Eleven. Let's turn it up. Hey everybody, welcome back to These Go to Eleven, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. This not only helps us to get our content out there, but also helps us to find out what you, our faithful listeners, think. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Greg Dutcher. Greg, what's going on, man? I'm doing well, man. It is uh, May. We are... Uh Oh, we're so close to full-out summer. <laughs> Dude, have you noticed the progression? <clears throat> if anybody's been listening, you know, oh, man, it's January. We're fighting through it. We're fighting through it. gets better and better and better. I'll be good all the way up through Christmas, dude. Yeah. And then after Christmas, we'll need that deep dive. Yeah. That how do we deal with the seasonal affective thing. Yep. But right now, I'm doing... You always ask me, dude, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing good. Like you said, it's, it's May, so we have a little over... Well, at this point, just about a month left of school before yes. we're out and, uh, you know, heading into summer. Summers don't quite have the same meaning for me because I'm administration. I was going to so say, dude, I know I, I, I know you yeah. work in the summer. I've seen you. So, yeah, I still have I still have some work to do. Yeah. Um, the nice thing is because of uh, COVID, there, largely there's a lot of stuff to do online. That's great. So uh, more flexibility. Yeah. You can do things yeah. uh, anywhere, anytime. But we, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Great administrator, you know, is just kind of like, look, as long as you're getting your work done, I don't Get care where you do it. So, nice. um, yeah, so uh, looking forward to that. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward, uh, this year has been a lot of year of transitions and changes, so yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, so a nice long summer uh, time to regroup and uh, think about, you know, heading into to next year and, you know, hopefully year of news under my belt Good. uh you know having a year to refine the things that are new so that's good dude i um yeah i'm i'm wrapping up this week yeah. uh at where i teach public speaking at towson yep and uh this is sort of the final this is really the final exam uh because it's their persuasive speech yes and uh the so the nice thing due to my college is i'm done a month earlier but I don't get paid beyond yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, which means University of Maryland doesn't get their their payment. Right. Uh, until, you know, September again, where my uh, my son is. So, um, but yeah, it's nice. I love the time of year. Yeah. Weather just turning. We're getting into kind of semi-summer permanence. Yeah. Which if you're a you know, summer person is nice. Yeah. Well, and we're actually, we're going to talk about that um, because we've, we had one of yes. our listeners who's not a summer person actually, and I can sympathize with this growing up up north. Yes. Um, so we'll, we'll actually, uh, in this month, we will be talking about that within the larger context of uh, our, our topics, which really predominantly have to do with uh, what is, what is God's will? Does God care? And what yeah. does he care about? And we're, we're focusing on God cares about the unbeliever. Yes. God cares about the lost sheep. God cares about the prodigal son. Yes. Um, and we are focusing on what does that look like missionally for any one of us, whether our uh, home is in China, whether our home is Africa, Maryland, wherever we might be, what is uh, God's heart for those 
who have rejected him because the reality is at one point we've all rejected him. Absolutely. And so uh, some of us may have come to the family sooner than others, uh, sooner in age, sooner in timeline. But at the end of the day, uh, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes. And so we are, we are looking at this. And today, Greg, we are looking particularly what does that mean for pastors in churches dealing with unbelievers coming to their service? It depends who you ask. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> As I've learned yes, recently. Yes. And, and actually, let's, let's talk about that because one of the things that has spurred today's particular topic, uh, Greg, you don't often get on Twitter and respond to certain things, but sometimes you do. I do, dude. It's an itch. It's a stupid itch. <laughs> Crazy stupid itch. Uh, I have a Twitter, if anybody wants to follow it. Uh, not that I care that much. Uh, I, I must have a bunch of bogus bots on there because it says like a thousand. And I swear <laughs> there's maybe two people that respond, dude, and you're one of them. Right. Um, so I don't know what happened with all the, you know, Musk shake up with Twitter. Who knows? But I, um, I more or less get on. I rarely post. Occasionally, if I see something really, really captures my heart. Sure. Uh, I'll post it, but I, I check it out a lot. Twitter, it's a love-hate relationship. Yeah. I love that you can get really up-to-date information. Yeah. So if you're a sports guy, I know that's not your world. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. I'm waiting <laughs> what to hear. What is this thing you call sports? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm waiting here. Are the Ravens going to sign Odo Beckham Jr.? And they did uh, last month. And that was huge, right? Or the whole Lamar news, et cetera, that is so consumed this year. You can get really timely, up-to-date information, news sources, sports scores, interesting movie things, because it's a quick-hit format. It is also one of the just most gutter, nasty sewage pipes yeah. of human communication. <laughs> I mean, it is a place where there's virtually no empathy. Yeah. Uh, on all sides. I'm not yeah. picking on a side here. All sides. If it's a political issue, theological issue, heck, even entertainment issues. Right. You know, you know how it is, dude. Yeah, the Star Wars oh, debates. Yeah. And there's just a lot. It's an easy place to be nasty. Yeah. And I feel it pulling me in some direction sometimes that I, I don't like. But uh, a few weeks back, I think it was Easter, actually, or Easter weekend. It might have been the Monday after Easter. I was just scrolling through, and a guy who I don't think is a pastor, but I think he's a, a theologian-type guy, maybe a seminary student or a, a writer of some sort. Um, and I'm not trying to pick on him per se. Sure. He posted like an eight-tweet-connected uh, you know, yeah, thread yeah. Of, of connected posts. It's one of those number one, number two, number three, right. all the way to eight or nine. And what he essentially was arguing, it was over the transgender stuff. Yeah. And he urged pastors, elders, church leaders, do not let people that show up to your church on a Sunday morning, if they ever do. Uh, and if they are obviously men or obviously women, but dressed or attired as the other gender. Right. He basically gave an argument that they should not be let in. Yeah. 
that a authority figure should address them at the door and said, you are welcome here when your clothes are consistent with your gender. Yeah. And his argument was said, worship is about the glory of Christ, the edification of believers. We do not need to be ruled by our culture's values, mm-hmm. etc. That one lit my fire. Sure. So I wrote on that one. I said, I was pretty blunt. I said, yeah. man, this is a repulsive argument to me. And I said, I... And I just said, I, I just more made it a statement. I said, uh, as far as I'm concerned, our doors at my church will be open without classifying what kind of sinners we accept and what kind of sinners we, yeah. we don't. Yeah. And, uh, woo, my son then ben, starts the comments. Yes. My son said, Dad, why do you do it? I said, I don't know. Dude, wow. I mean, one guy was removed. Because I blocked one guy because he it was the most vile. Oh yeah, comment I, mean, I told yeah, you what yeah. he said to me. It was just it was crude. It yeah. was profane and it was surprising. Uh, I think he's gone. Uh, maybe somebody else reported him as well. But a lot of them were. Uh, oh my goodness, dude! I was called a rainbow man. I was called. Um, I was called a wolf. Uh, you know, just right. people come. I was. Uh, you're no pastor. Um, you know, maybe somebody needs to explain the Bible to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I responded to a few, and then yeah. I realized this is fruitless. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard, because let's be honest, oh, Twitter yeah. is an exercise in the last word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the temptation. Yeah. And, dude, I want to have the last word. Right. <laughs> Don't you? I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. Want to have the last word. Absolutely. And you realize, I think that's what sucks you in. Uh, of course, my wife's saying, Greg, what? Just don't go on Twitter. I know you say you like it because you get some information, but I said, I know. But the good thing is, I did have one really healthy uh, direct message with, yeah. with a guy uh, that was really good. And he raised some good questions. I'm happy to share those as we go through this yeah, podcast. absolutely. Um, that I thought were good challenges, good yep. clarifications. Um, and I, I told him, I said, by the way, thank you for just talking to me like a human being. Yeah. Uh, forget even Christianity 101. Right. Humanity 101. (laughs) Can we talk like human beings? Now, in fairness, though, I did tell the guy, the initial, that I thought that the argument was disgusting. Yeah. So that's strong language. Yeah. So I'm I'm putting myself out there that mm, maybe I could have phrased that a little differently. Sure. But let's just land right there and get to this issue, Nathan. Last week, we introduced what does God care about? Yes. You said, obviously, the lost. Yeah. Um. What I found is there are a number of Christians that believe the the church worship service, if we can confine our remarks there, at least at the beginning, see where yeah. it goes, yeah. is for believers. Yep. Several of them were quoting John MacArthur, who I don't know when he said this, uh, so I haven't tracked down the source, but that came up a lot uh, in, in some other threads I followed too. Uh, I don't give a rip what an unbeliever thinks about a church service. Right. So, um, I disagree. Yeah. With that premise. Um, not entirely. Sure. I think the church by definition is a gathered body of believers. Yeah. So yes, when the gathered body of Jesus followers meet, we have defined purposes. Yes. We are going to listen to God's word. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. Yep. 
We're going to fellowship. Yep. Those are the things that the kind of the nuts and bolts of a yeah. gathering. I right? mean, at various points and times, we will take communion. Communion, baptisms. Yep. Yep. Uh, exactly. Uh, so, of course, there is a way in which I jump on that bandwagon and say, yes, the church is for the believer. Yeah. I do not say, however, the church is for the believer, therefore, I don't care about the unbeliever. About the unbeliever. Yeah. yeah. That's saying something different. So, um, I would say that there's, you know, I did this on the last podcast with the example of uh, asking a uh, father you know, for yeah, his the, keys. The dad yeah. for the keys. Yeah. Same kind of principle here, but uh, two ends of the spectrum. Dude, I'll say it. 1975, then Bill Hybels. Yep. I'm not talking about you know the way things ended for Bill Hybels, pastoral career-wise. Right. But in 75, you got a young man who basically determined, and I think understandably, boy, a lot of people, church attendance is in decline. Yeah. A lot of people don't come to church anymore like they did in the 40s and 50s and even in the early 60s. And in 1975, he took a whole team, uh, did a lot of canvassing in his suburban Chicago neighborhoods, um, and asked questions. They'd gathered data. Why don't you come to church? What would you like to see in a church? Yeah. Thus, the seeker-sensitive movement was born, yeah. essentially, which... Uh, my biggest criticism there, it's not unique to me, is that I don't think we look to the unbeliever to dictate what church should look like. Yeah. Um, and that's often the criticism. And I would agree. Right. So I do land more on the other side of the extreme, what I would call the really conservative, you might say reformed, Baptist, hardcore, evangelical, fundamentalist, whatever term you would put in there. Um, the church is for the believer. Yet, um, uh, the, the, the problem with that view is the fact that Scripture, I think, tells us, yes, the primary purpose of a worship gathering uh, is believers coming together, and we do these specific things. Yeah. But when those same Scriptures tell us to be mindful of the unbeliever and their presence in the service, right. I think there's got to be a middle position. Yeah. And I think it's the biblical position. Yeah. And that's what I would argue. But I'm talking too much, dude. Yeah, no. And guide me however you wish. Yeah, no, I th I think that's good because I think one of one of the things that I've seen uh, a lot uh, online, and, and I'm with you, man. I You know, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I see a lot of dumpster fire stuff out yeah. there. There's a lot of stuff that I really want to respond to. I've... I kind of hit the rock bottom with social media a while back, yeah. realizing that I'm not going to get anywhere. And so <laughs> I, know, I just, um, you know, so, do, you know, don't, don't mistake. I, I, I want to, I really want to respond to a lot of things that I see, Yes. but unless I can phrase it and respond in such a way that I think, you know what? I, I think because really right around the same time, there was, a, there was a comment and a response on, are these go to 11 oh, right. That's uh, right. about free grace and yes. you know, well, grace isn't really free. You, you need to read Dietrich Bonhoeffer's the cost of discipleship. Right. Right. And my, my response was just, you know, yeah, it's, it's a great read. I, I have read it. It's a great read. I, I really enjoy um, Bonhoeffer. I think, I think a lot of people misinterpret Bonhoeffer I because they haven't read the breadth of his works like right. they should. Uh, they read the cost of discipleship or they read a couple other select choice things. And they're like, mm -hmm. Oh, this is who Bonhoeffer was. Yep. 
Mm, a lot of people don't quite fully understand who he was because they haven't done that. But I say it's a great read. I've read it. Tim Keller actually talks about that in his book. Um, uh, what's the one on apologetics he did? I, this is bad because I teach uh, this one at my yeah, school. Uh, the reason for thank God. you. Yes, the reason for God. <laughs> um, I actually teach this one at my school, and I couldn't remember the name of it. Um, the reason for God, and he dis- discusses this idea that everything has a cost. So let's assume that I take my car and I and I accidentally drive it into my neighbor's fence. Mm-hmm. The damage done to that fence has to be paid by someone. Yep. My neighbor might say. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. It then does not cost me anything. But it costs but somebody. But it costs somebody something. Yeah. And that's that's what I pointed out was that, yes, grace has a cost, but it was paid in the person of Christ of on the cross. Yes. Um, and so, therefore, it does not cost me a thing. Yep. Um, and, and I, you know, just kind of put Romans, uh, Romans reference in there. And... Um, one of the things that I think we we miss when when we're discussing the issue of of the church is what is the purpose and function of the church? Right. The purpose and function of the church is to go and make disciples. Right. To preach the word and make disciples. Like that is our role and that is our function. That we are not to be closed off in our building one day a week. And then going out the rest of the six. No, no, no. We are to be inviting people yeah. to church. Yep. We are to be inviting the unbelievers, saying, come and join us. Come and sit in on this service because we want to show you, not tell you, we want to show you what the love of Christ looks like. Right, right. And so if you're now telling me that we are going to exclude people yeah. from doing that, that's problematic. Because yep. how many, not just un believers but believers are we now excluding because of sin right right well <clears throat> dude you're you're exactly that this uh first thread that i followed um argued some things in there it said uh, it sort of anticipated uh, almost imagine the 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 person that comes in a, a member of the trans a community comes in tries to get into church and the author of this post said, what did they say? Well, I want to hear the gospel. He goes, our elders would be happy to explain the gospel to you on the parking lot. Um, just had a tone. I'm just going to say this up front, dude, that felt very non-Jesus-like. Yeah. Uh, very punitive. Very uh, harsh. Yeah. Um, so I didn't like that. But the, the notion that we can, what, stand at the front door? Right. Dude, a, a person could come in and be dressed in quote-unquote normal attire, whatever that means to an individual. I have no idea what that person's doing. Right. I have no idea what that person is doing online. Right. What he's doing, uh, if he's a married person, is he faithful to his, his wife? Uh, who knows? I guess they're saying, yeah, but in this case, you do know because they, they, they come in in this attire. And I'd say, well, yeah, that's what they're doing. Now, one person kindly that i mentioned was dming me yeah um did pick up on a comment somebody else had made. we we had actually a really nice conversation about it and he asked me well greg what would you do though and he says i'm not trying to play got you honestly if somebody came in in a kkk you know the full robe the hood all that stuff and i said i understand what you're saying yeah let me tell you what i see there i don't see that as the attire that somebody would dress in day to day um, if somebody is a, a, a 
a hood-wearing member of right. the KKK, uh, if they work as an accountant, they're not going into their work like that. Right. Person that uh, is transgendered, etc., probably is. Yeah. So I said I would view the uh, person coming in in a KKK hoodie not as a freedom of expression. KKK is on record as wanting to see the entire extermination of blacks, Jews, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, all sorts of minority groups. So I view that as a security issue. Yeah. At that point, I uh, I really do, um, and I know these things are complicated. You know, these right. things are 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 not always black and white. Somebody, uh, no, this was the same person said, "What if somebody were to come in and they had some." curse words on their shirt i said oh i, I get it that, yeah. that that's a good one i'll tell you i said let me tell you what i would hope would happen i would balance a few things if that person wants to go back in the kids area that's difficult yeah because we are balancing responsibilities and we don't want children that are being protected and by the way that's not a uniquely christian distinction right most daycare centers schools right uh you know areas uh, like uh dutch wonderland yeah. right where yeah. you, you entertain kids little kid amusement parks are going to have some expectations yeah. there so children aren't harmed etc uh i said but i would hope that person comes into the auditorium or the sanctuary again right. um i'd like to think that the overwhelming majority of our Jesus-following congregations is, I get it. Yeah. You know, I don't think any of us are shocked to see words or hear words. I think most of us can find a way forward to continue right. to worship you know, the Lord and not be staring at this guy's shirt. Right. I said, I'd much rather have that conversation when a relationship is established, right. uh, et cetera. But this notion of just, yeah, no trans allowed, um, Wow, dude. Well, and I think part of the thing that becomes disturbing is like there's there's a once you're outside of the church, we can or the building. Yeah. I want to I want to rephrase that. Once you're outside of the building, we could now have this conversation because I th these things are are spreading worldwide. Sure. So I can envision this happening in uh, Africa or India or China where there is no building. Yeah. So where do you establish the border That's of a great the point. person being able to hear the gospel out in the open yeah. versus, oh, no, we have a building, and this building is secure and protected, and you can't enter here? That's a really good point, too. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, when you've got a less defined space, yeah. which is common right. in different places of the world. Uh, well, and it's what do you do? It's also different. Let, let's say our church wasn't meeting here. Let's say we're meeting at Falston High. Yeah. We don't have the same freedom at Falston High yeah. in some cases to deny entry that we would in right. our own unique space. That's a great point. Everybody is going to be in a different context. Uh, so to be that comfortable with this sort of denial is, is tricky. Anything that I see is going to be a threat to people. Yes, there's yeah. an obligation to protect. First of all, every quote-unquote event planner or event staff person, if that's a stadium, et cetera, yeah. has that obligation. Yes. Our goal is to keep these people. We right. have a security team at right. CFC that does a good job because we want people to be safe. Yes. Believers and unbelievers alike. Yes. We want them all to be safe and have a safe space they can come and hear the gospel. So uh, I think that's a 
I love your your boundaryless point, dude. I, yeah. What, what what do you accept? Well, what are we going to be issuing restraint orders now? Right. You've got to be a hundred yards away. I mean, it's it it gets almost bizarre. And here's my thought, dude. The, I want to get very downright scriptural about mm, this. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I think this verse or these C- verses are an appeal to more. I mean, First Corinthians fourteen. It's because they deal with the sticky, wicked issue right. of tongues, prophecy, etc., which we've talked about on this podcast. We probably will again, as we did in the past. Um, but this should not change anything. You made a point before we recorded today, Nathan, that w- whether he's talking about tongues, prophecy, or any spiritual gifts, right? First Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are ultimately about well-regulated spiritual gifts yeah. in the church. First Corinthians 14 is clearly in the context of coming together in a gathered assembly. So this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Mm. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with with my mind also. Otherwise... If you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? Yeah. So I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of that. That's too complex. What does he mean, pray with your spirit? I've got definitive thoughts on that. And, um, you know, Matt Smith and I remember years ago, dude, did that before Matt was on, on staff here. Yep. And we could return to that topic again at some point. Yeah. For the sake of saying, let's just say this. There's an issue that if poorly handled by Christians in a worship gathering, yeah, if poorly handled, it will have a negative effect on an outsider, an unbeliever who happens to be in that gathering. Let's say what is assumed in this passage, Paul expects. Yes unbelievers to be there too so to your point dude by implication i think we can pretty confidently say it's an expectation of your part of the christian community at corinth yeah you should be inviting people yeah it doesn't mean they'll come right but it means they may come and paul seems to think it's likely enough yeah that people are in your worship gathering yes where there's prayer singing tongues prophecy and again I'm not going to fall on those hand grenades today because my larger point is the fact that the presence of the unbeliever matters. And isn't it interesting, Nathan, that he says that an outsider might say amen, Yeah, which means so be it. Right. It's a, it's a statement of affirmation or resonance. doesn't necessarily mean the person's become a believer. Right. That may happen, but it may be, oh, that's that's good. Yeah. It's, it's an affirmation yeah. statement. And he's whole, saying if this isn't done right, they're not going to know what you're saying. Yeah. So whatever that means, right. with the tongues, prayer, etc., I know it's hard to talk about this issue. It means it's some uniquely Christian act in a worship service. Yes. And Paul, it's not just that he recognizes unbelievers are there, but their lack of understanding yes. matters and should shape what we do in a worship service. So to anyone listening yeah. who has heard, yep, it, it doesn't matter what it's about the believers. Right. That is not a true enough statement. Yeah. There's truth in it. Yes. But it doesn't go far enough. Yeah. 
the unbeliever's perspective of what happens in a worship gathering matters. Yes. Unless Paul is not under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, that's a whole different argument. Right. But I'm assuming most people that would say that would say, oh, yeah, Paul's, to, right. Paul's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Well, and, and Paul addresses this earlier in the book of 1 Corinthians as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, when he's addressing the sexual immorality and all the issues that are going yes. on in the church, he's addressing the believers in the church, yes. but expecting and accepting the fact that they're on the believers. Here's what he said. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, rever, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Again, not saying that we don't go out, but we are not to become so involved in those people's lives that we become mixed up right. in that. But then he goes on to continue in, in verse 12. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Right. I'm talking to you all in the church, and he's clearly making a preface statement that I'm not addressing the one who does not claim Christ. I'm addressing you who yeah. do claim Christ. Yeah. And he makes this he makes this distinction. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? And again, when he's using church, he's not using building. He's right. using the believers. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That he Absolutely. fully acknowledges that there will be those who are not believers listening in on these conversations. Yes. And Paul wants it to be made clear to both the believer and the unbeliever that I am not addressing you who do not claim Christ. I am addressing you who do claim Christ. Well said, Nathan. Well said. I think that you see that distinction so clear. Paul is much tougher on fellow believers that profess to know Christ. Like I told you, dude, remember a few weeks back, we did our Holy uh, Holy Spirit podcast. I had breakfast with that dude who uh, claims to be a follower yeah. of Jesus for decades. And, you mean but, a few months ago at this point? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah a few months. Yeah, a recording schedule. <laughs> and he, uh, I had breakfast with him at a diner, telling me yeah. he's going to leave his wife, convinced that the Holy Spirit wants him to be happy. And I don't think I was tough enough. Yeah. I often, I, I'm a big grace guy. Um, and... We, we live and breathe grace. That's true. But you cannot deny that, uh, man, I'll tell you what, if I ever say that to somebody, I'm going to leave Lisa to be with another woman because the Holy Spirit wants me happy. I say that to you, dude. Yeah. I hope you clobber me yeah. in love and yeah. say, Greg, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, that you, you know, profess to follow Jesus and teach others about Jesus. Yeah. Come on, dude. You know, that's what we need. It's that, that, that accountability, right. that, that shared experience of life together in the church where we help each other and, and confront each other lovingly. Uh, but you're right that to point out, what does I have to do with outsiders? Right. So this guy's thread on Twitter is pretty much, no, I do. I'm going to judge outsiders yeah. and determine whether or not they can have admission into the church. But back to first Corinthians 14, dude, it goes on. He says in verse 23, if therefore the whole church comes together. Yeah. Now that's a reference to worship and all speaks in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your mind? So there's the second time. Yeah. Their perception, their confusion yes. of um, something happening in the context of their gathered assembly, it matters and should shape. Yes. In other words, Paul's issuing that as a corrective. Yeah. What do you need to do so that the unbeliever doesn't have that response? Yeah. When they're in your church. Right. But I've got people telling me on Twitter, I'm a wolf, et cetera. Right. Because I'm saying we should welcome unbelievers in our church. Right. What dude, I just feel like, are you serious? Yeah. I'm I'm 
I'm pretty fired up about this yeah. one, dude. I, it's hard for me to find a whole lot of place for my fellow Christians that would comfortably say, oh, yeah, yeah, they can go in the parking lot. I know. We can preach them on here. It's, it's, it's almost shocking. And um, let's think about this, but modern applications of this. Yeah. Matt and I talk about this all the time. I love a lot of the rich hymns and oh, songs, yeah. courses of the faith, and a lot of them what have to do with blood. Right. I also recognize somebody with no church background that may be in our congregation probably thinks that's weird. Yeah. Some of the older ones, too. Dude. There's a fountain. Th- think of the one, dude. Yeah. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Yeah. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Now, I hear that as a believer. Man, that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah. If you don't have the ears to hear that, what yes. do you hear? Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. What are they talking about? Is this a Stephen King movie? Right. Plunged in a river or fountain of blood? Yeah. So I I don't think... Now, one solution... Oh, we're never going to sing blood songs. I, I don't like that. Sure. I think that the church has a unique... Uh, liturgical practice vocabulary yep. we vary church to church some are high some are low etc yep. um but i think the way you do that the way you acknowledge what paul is telling us here you address the person you don't have to say unbeliever you can say right hey some of you may be here today church has not been part of your experience right i recognize you might be hearing blood what is that and even say is this a stephen king movie or right. something and then you could say actually it's interesting, the the nation of Israel, uh, which is you know, described in the first 39 books of the Bible, uh, had a, a system of sacrifices. You could explain that. You could say that blood becomes shorthand for the death of one person in place of the other. Yeah. Leave that to the gospel. However you do it, the worship yeah. leader, the, the pastor, the yeah. reader, you know, the, the liturgist, depending on your right. background— just to at points be acknowledging right. that expect they're in the room. Yeah. Because I think Paul expects them to be in the room. Right. Um, and sometimes I did hear somebody say this uh, at a conference I was at a few years ago. They uh, said they turned to each other, the kind of event planners, in this case pastors of this particular service, and one of them said, you know, I think we did that whole thing like we were the only ones there. Yeah. And I've caught myself doing that. Sure. It's one thing, dude, if you're doing a seminar um, that you're inviting sort of the core group of the church to come to. Yeah. In general. But there is exceptions. Sure, sure. Good Friday tends to be a very core group of committed believers that come. Yeah. Culturally, there's not much of a tradition. Oh, I'm going to go to church on Good Friday. Right. Like people do on Easter. So, um, yeah, I think we should be building in uh, doors of explanation, yeah. uh, side you know, comments, remarks yeah. throughout the service that we're not compromising right. what we preach, right. pray, and sing. Yeah. No, not one bit. But we are recognizing, yes. not compromising, recognizing the perspective of the unbeliever. Yeah. See, I love what you said because that's discipleship. Yes. That's teaching... Mm-hmm. The, the unbeliever and the believer, because let, let's be honest, Greg, you and I have talked about this. Uh, your oldest daughter, uh, who, who spent a significant number of her growing up years in the church as well as in a Christian school, yeah. 
probably has the best foundational knowledge for biblical things than uh-huh. your others because sure. oh, yeah. they, they didn't have the saturation in the teaching yeah. that your older daughter Sam had. was very saturated, yeah. And and so there's more teaching that goes in to your younger three than there is your older one. Oh, sure. Because she was getting more of that teaching outside of the family. She was. Where you have to do more of that teaching and explanation. Yeah. And, and so it's not that you just, oh, well, they're not getting it, so it doesn't matter. No, you, you acknowledge and recognize the teaching is foundational and important, but you yeah. understand that even in your own family, there are different levels of what your children have oh, gotten and have not gotten. And absolutely. so there are things that you need to explain and talk about. And, and it's the same thing with the church, because even in the church, even if you were going to convince me somehow that there were no unbelievers within your church. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I don't believe that for a second because even people who claim to be believers, if you were to actually press them on 100%. what that meant, yeah. um, and it families have kids, right? And not all those kids are going to be in the same place, right? You're right, and you put it even in within one particular family, yes. Let alone a whole smattering of them throughout the church. Yeah, it, the teaching becomes important, and that's it what you, we're doing. We're doing the teaching, and so it doesn't matter if I've grown up in the church and I've heard a million times about the blood and the significance of it, guess what? As a believer, I delight in hearing those things because that is what my Lord and Savior did for me. And so for the one who is the unbeliever or the one who's a new believer, they get to hear those things and they then become excited for them. I mean, again, the unbeliever, they're either going to lean into it or they're going to reject it, but we don't stop doing it. Yeah. We don't stop teaching it. We let that discipleship occur even from the pulpit. Absolutely, Nathan. And I think it's a way of saying, yes, of course I believe there are believers and unbelievers. Sometimes we can be black and white to an extent that we think, okay, unbelievers get this, believers get right. this. You know who helps believers understand truth? The Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know who's ultimately going to help the unbeliever understand truth? The Holy Spirit. Right. So I do think there's kind of a double double barreled preaching. Uh, I think of this dude. I uh, it's the uh, Matt would, Matt Smith would love this. It's the um, I used to say that uh, Burgess Meredith says it is Mickey, but I actually think it's uh, either Pauly or Duke in the Rocky movies um, when Stallone I think is fighting Drago, and uh, I think it's Drago, and oh. he comes back to the bench and goes, oh, I see three guys out there, <laughs> and he says, then hit the one in the middle. Yeah. I love that. Dude, sometimes it is. I'll tell you this. When I sit down with a sermon, every time, I've finally gotten to a point where this is really conditioned and drilled into my thinking. I think, what here, I'm mindful. Ooh, this section is going to be pretty veteran, advanced, oriented. I got to work a little harder here to be mindful of that person, that outsider that might be in the room. Sure. Not going to compromise. Right. But like you said, I'm going to have to also acknowledge, how am I going to break this down? How am I going to create a, a side door into this truth so a person doesn't feel like, oh, what were they talking about? Yeah. Um, to do my level best to let them know, I care that you're here. Yeah. Uh, not I, I don't care. I'm thrilled that you're here. Yeah. Um, I want you to know, you think you may have come here by happenstance. Yeah. But it may very well be. Well, I know it is. But yeah. The, 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 to let them think. It may very well be that God wanted you here yeah. and he worked things in your life to bring you here to hear this, not from me, but from him yeah. uh, who loves you and sent his son for you. So 
boy, that affects my approach yeah. to preaching. Yeah. I do look back, dude, in my some of my earlier sermons years ago where I, I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't thinking about unbelievers. Sure. Um, and I think, oh, boy, I could have worked harder. I could have I could have done a little bit more to be mindful uh, of their presence in the church. Um, and, yes, there's an extreme, like, again, the seeker-sensitive movement. Right. That, that's... Right. That doesn't exist as it did in the 70s and 80s. Uh, it, it's everything evolves. But the the tradition for a long time was uh, you had the the service on Sunday morning was for the the guest. Right. And the Wednesday night service was for the believer. Um I think that's kind of weird. Yeah. And kind of lame and I think it one I don't think it ever played out like that. I still think the majority of people that went to church right were believers on yeah. Sundays. Um but I'll say this: I loved the heart yeah. of those folks yeah. who were thinking, "God, to go back to our original yeah. month of May question, God cares about the outsider, yeah, deeply, tells stories about the outsider." Yeah. What do we see? I mean, can you? I think when I read this initial post, I just thought, "Man, dude, it makes me want to cry." Like, yeah, is the Jesus you see in the Gospels? I'm asking that to people that are. Does he does he roll like the way you're presenting? Right. I mean, dude, what kind of baldy, lewd jokes did he hear at Matthew's house? Right. At Zacchaeus's house. Yeah. Were these tax collectors? They were not upstanding deacons in their Sunday best. Right. What kinds of the? But he's there. Yeah. He's there with them. Yeah. Who knows what kind of vile practices sins or, yeah. or characterizing these guys how they speak about life etc but he's there and yeah. i i don't know it just makes me sad it just makes me sad to think we could envision a jesus that uh right you jump through this hoop first then yeah you can come in yeah so i just want to ask him brother do you read any of the gospels yeah and get that impression that that's how Jesus rolls. And like you I said uh, earlier today, Nathan, and I think before we recorded, his hardest words are for the ones who should know better. Right. The scripture scholars. Yeah. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. Not really so much the down and outers. Yeah. Uh, just you don't see it. Yeah. You know, he's with them. Now, he's not telling them, I condone your sin. Right, I, right. He's not telling them, you know, this... Um, so a lot of people were quoting, oh, well, what about go and sin no more? Goes, yeah, that's the gospel message. Right. Ultimately, we're preaching Christ. Flee your sin. Fly right. to Christ. Um, so I want them in the building to hear that. Yeah. The, the point of those passages is, so stand at your front door and make sure that only the respectable people come in. Right. Dude, that's garbage. That's the Pharisees. It is. That's what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees were, you know... Man, you're you're a tax collector. Nope, we can't accept you. You're a prostitute. Nope, don't don't nope. come through our doors. Do not come in to worship. Yep. You know you you've got to pretty yourself up. You got to clean yourself up first. And and Christ calls them what? Whitewashed tombs. Yeah. You are dead on the inside. Yeah. You know, and this is this is the stuff that just becomes so. It's like you said. This is what's so sad, right? Because a lot of times I'll uh, again uh, reading online uh, various comments and well Christ preached more on hell and judgment and things like that than he did on heaven and love and blah 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 blah. It's like he did that in the context of the relationship that he had with people. Yeah. Right? Yes. Hell is preached a lot 
in, and he preaches a lot about it, but it's within the context of the understanding that what ultimately is hell, it's your life without Christ. Right. Of course. And that's, dude. and that's what he's preaching about is this is why I'm seeking after you. Yeah. Because I, there is no other explanation for why God sends his son, why Christ does what he does other than he loves us. Yes. Dude, well said. I mean, I think that that nails it. And now imagine this. Imagine your um, neighbor, right, is a, a, a transgendered person in the transgender community, and they, they're your neighbor, they work, et cetera, uh, nearby you, work in the same company, et cetera. They have a conversation with you. Yeah. And you are talking about your faith and what Jesus has meant to you. Kind of interesting. Nathan's a good neighbor. He's kind to us. I like that. I'm kind of interested in what he said. Maybe they want to go to the church and uh, you know, they check it out online. Yeah. And somehow in their searching, in their little quick research, which a lot of people do today, they come across me posting that. Yeah. Why doesn't that matter more? Right. And I don't understand. How and we're going to talk about this more in a, in a week or two. I know. Yeah. We're going to have some special guests too, dude. I, I I honestly like. Let's just let me get really real here. In our county, which is a conservative Republican county, sure. Sometimes I get concerned when we we go culture warrior and kind of overlay it with the gospel. Right. It gets really messy because I, I talk to some people who I get the sense that their great commission means own the libs. Yeah. And that isn't the great commission. Right. So to insult and mock or talk down to a group of people that you want to reach, Yeah, I, I don't understand that. Uh, I was telling you and Matt today when we had lunch, a um, good friend of mine from a former church, who does not listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, I just know it because he's not really a podcast. Sure, sure. So be careful. I love the guy. Tremendous heart for lost people. He's also an extremely politically conservative-minded guy, etc. understand yeah. all that too. Um, we'll put a lot of posts up there that are anti-Dem, anti-Biden, anti-woke, anti-trans, etc., uh, dude, I'm just going to give you my heart. I don't want to alienate 50% of the mission field. Yeah. And that's what this country pretty much yeah. is. Yeah. I just don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to alienate. I would much rather, how do I posture myself? I, I want opportunities to build relationships. And at some point in yeah. the context of those relationships, as we yeah. share life, them know, man, yeah. I love Jesus. This is what Jesus has done for me. This is what he would do for you. This is what right. he offers to the whole world. Um, and dude, I'm not even going to get a hearing if I, that's the first way they encounter me. Yeah. You know, I'm owning the libs. Well, because at the end of the day too, what does that say about me to that neighbor? If this is the type of church that I'm attending yeah. where, where you're out blasting their lifestyle and their behavior, it's like, man, now I'm really confused because like he attends this place, but that's not who he is. I agree. And that's not who he's like. And that's going to ultimately damage my opportunity and relationship. And again, 
that's not to say that I don't hold those beliefs. Yeah. Right. That's not to say that I would look at that and say, yeah, this is this is how I think. This is what I believe, because this is what scripture has said right. about these topics. But that's to, to say, like, is there a greater opportunity to be able to talk with this person in that relationship where the gospel is so compelling? Yeah. Because, man, I I've had enough conversations that I know I know Nathan doesn't agree with me. Yeah. But man, he's, he's there whenever I need him. He's, he's willing to offer me a hand whenever I, whenever I need something. He's willing to do that. I mean, he, he is there for, he's the best neighbor that I've ever had. And so now he comes to a church dressed as a she. Yep. And at the door, they're saying, nope, you're not allowed. As opposed to, no, come on in. I know. I know. And dude, Come on I, in. I, I, that's why I know you and I resonate on this so much. And it, it's, dude, I, I mean, I'm, I've been a good good job. You know, I always cry when yeah. I preach. Rarely on the podcast. That'd be weird. Right. If you're like, Greg, next year's <laughs> doing ugly cry, Toby Maguire face over here. I, um, it makes me cry. Yeah. It really does. I, I just can't imagine. Well, I've got that story, dude. I've shared it before. Uh, a neighbor of mine told oh, me. Oh, yeah the pastor encounter they had the quick version of that is um he uh was doing some work plumbing work at at a house of a person turns out he's a pastor um and uh the pastor i love this part said we're having a christmas party yeah would you and your wife like to join us yeah oh my goodness honor calls the wife dude by the way that wife has since passed away so Mm. this story really has a lot of uh impact for me yeah goes uh tells his wife i don't know why this touches me so much dude he tells his wife oh my goodness she's not been invited to a christmas party for uh years and she says i just feel so she was almost giddy about it yeah should we dress up should we do this and said this couple probably in their late 40s at the time uh and so they get ready they're walking across the street to this pastor's home um, he said it's largely a party for their church, but they were invited. Well, they don't know anything about church culture, background, etc. They have this, they're not really wine drinkers, but they've got this really expensive bottle of wine that a family member had given them. Yeah. So they said, why don't we bring that over as kind yeah. of a contribution? They bring it over to the house. Um, they open the door. He's holding the wine. The pastor and his wife open the door. A lot of the church members are there in the living room. And this, and he told me this story, dude, in technicolor detail. Yeah. Just said, oh, uh, what is that? And she goes, oh, it's a bottle of wine we had. I'm not much of a wine drinker, but I'm told it's a very nice bottle and just wanted to give that to you. And the pastor said, uh, no alcohol will ever enter this home. And the gathered folks there from his church all said, Amen. And so she is kind of frozen. Um, the neighbor, my friend, just uh, you know, the husband says, okay, uh, let me run this back across the street. It was so awkward. And I'm not saying he didn't, know, kind of left her standing there. Dude, that story to this day, I, I can't believe that actually happened to somebody. I actually yeah. apologized to him on behalf yeah. of that pastor. And I don't normally do that. Yeah, I said, listen, Jesus saves 
broken people. Yeah. That story proves to me that's a broken person, just yeah. like me. That was a really bad decision they made. Yeah. You did nothing wrong. First of all, bring me that wine. Right. Um, you know, happily. But but second of all, I don't yeah. even have a problem with Christian as a conviction. Right. But to shame them. Yeah. Literally, it's at the door. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? They just got through the awkwardness of that party and left as soon as they oh, could. Oh, yeah. Makes me sick. Yeah. And it's it's not all stories are that kind of black and white and clean. Yeah. But the elements are there. I'm like, what in the world yeah. are we doing? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it, it's just something I hope that what will win our hearts over is love for lost people. Yeah. yeah. More than owning lost people. Yeah. But dude, a lot of pastors I know, we've talked about this, a lot of friends uh, I know have made a pretty hard turn yeah. in the last few years. Yeah. I'm really concerned, dude, that culture wars could be almost a, a replacement gospel. Yeah. Yeah, and we still say it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're reaching people. And right. then we have quickly, right. well, they need to know the truth. They need yeah. to know this. I'm like, right, you're driving them from you. Yeah. I want to keep them here. Right. In front of me. Right. And stay connected to them. And we do that through love and self-sacrifice and yeah. building trust. And building relationships and being supportive and being kind. Yeah. These aren't complicated things. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry well, for the soapbox. No, dude. I mean, it's good because that's the one of the things that I've always taken as a compliment, whether uh, from unbelievers, and, and it's always, you know, been through various scenarios and situations, right? When I was... When I was younger in high school, um, you know, strong commitment that I wasn't going to uh, use uh, inappropriate language, swearing, things like yep. that. Uh, if any of you know me, you know that's changed somewhat. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to say it, dude. <laughs> I was like, I made you But here's, here's the thing. When I was younger, <laughs> it was a self-control issue. Right? Oh, yeah, and, sure. And so, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this because I don't have the control to not do it. And a lot of unbelievers that I work with noted that. Yeah. And were, you know, they, they would say things, Oh, you know, I, I know you don't appreciate language like that, so I'm not going to use it. And so I, I honestly, I don't care if you do. I just don't. Sure. For, for, for these reasons. But one of the things that, that was said in those situations, yeah, I, I don't feel like you're pressuring me not to, I just don't want to. Right. Fair enough. I remember one time I was working with a group of people and we um, we were out doing uh, the nature of my job. I had to do inspections at other companies and I was yeah. out with a team doing these inspections. We stopped for a meal and um, the, the two guys that I was with, uh, we were having a conversation. The food came and they were talking to each other. I just bowed my head, prayed, came up and continued the conversation. Yeah. And that guy was like, man, I... I'd never experienced that before. Like you just stopped, you prayed, and mm. then you just joined back with us. Yeah. Like nothing had happened. Right. And that was just such a cool thing to experience that, you know, us two old heathens, you yeah. know, uh, were there chatting away. And then you just, you weren't gonna, you didn't condemn us. You didn't make us feel bad. Like, you know, and, and then the other one was, uh, you know, within the past decade, um, where, one of my employers had said, you know, I've known other people who've claimed to be Christians yeah. and this guy was not a Christian. You're different. Yeah. And there, you know, it, there's something about that. Like 
I know you're different because you don't act exactly how I act. Right. There's something different in you. You know, you don't, you don't talk poorly about people. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't get angry like I get it. You know, there, there's just, there's something different about you. Yeah. And I've not experienced that before. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's, and that's the thing is like, if I got on my soapbox in any one of those situations. Right. For anything at all, you know, and in one of the places that I worked at, Greg, you and I have conversations about this, you know, no problem with, uh, you know, the, um, uh, you know, culture that we currently live in. And, yep. you know, I simply, you know, I just, I, I don't agree with it. I don't think um, that's a biblical way to live. And uh-huh. it's like, but, but wait a minute. So, so you would be willing to have a conversation with someone about this? Sure. Right. I don't. I don't mind having. I don't mind talking to people about this, and and you don't care if people live like that. Right. Well, I mean, you know, if you mean by don't care, I mean, you know, I'm not going to go in and tell people the way they should live, uh-huh. because again, the gospel hasn't done anything to transform their life. Right. Now, right. if we have a church member who's professed to be a believer. And that church member comes walking up to the doors of our church dressed in inappropriate clothing. Oh, yeah, dude, of That's course. a conversation of that course. we're going to have. <laughs> yeah, of course, because at that point, the presumption is you've, there's a connection, there's a relationship, right. there's a shared faith, there's a shared... So you're talking within that right. the same way, dude. Like, I, I wish I had been even stronger on that gentleman years ago. Right. Part of it is I felt a little ambushed and, and uh, so shocked by what he was telling me. I, I was sort of speechless. You know, dude, me being speechless... <laughs> That's a, a once in a millennium right. uh, event. So I, um, but absolutely, dude. This is my my brother. Yeah. What What are you doing? Like if right. if my own brother Andy, my yeah. my you know biological biological yeah. brother, um, was for some reason turned dark on my mom and dad. Yeah. You know, and and dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, I mean, what what what? Because you we've we're sons were sure yes so that's a family matter yes the way families corral and rally and confront and love and support and through all the mess totally different conversation yes but what the impetus of this thing we talked about today was this is it this is just outside of the family yeah what yeah people that we want to reach and bring inside of the family yes just yeah so bizarre so I look forward, dude. To uh, where are we on time? We're probably we're we're about to wrap uh, up. Here, uh, yeah. Wrapping up. I look forward to doing this. I know we're going to have. Don't want to give it all away. A conversation with a wonderful guy who we yep. both know. Um, and like you said, I I think we're pretty much on the same page. Yeah. But we've got a few differences sure. on this issue. So I look forward to talking about yeah. it. I want to be open to, to challenge. Yeah. And I'm sure he does as well. Um, and I know we're uh, we are going to bring Matt Smith in here pretty yes. soon. Uh, to talk about, uh, again, pursuing this idea of as living as missionaries. Yes. Which ties into this whole conversation directly. So Yeah. Dude, awesome. Until the next time, we just rock the Casbah. Thank you again for listening to These Go to 11, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Once again, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you ever find yourself in the Forest Hill, Maryland area, please feel free to stop by at 135 Industry Lane, and you can get all of our service times and information at ChristFC.org. These go to 11.